it's fantastic. A lot of people um, think of South America and they think danger or um, maybe I don't want to be there for weeks on end. But when you have a bunch of guys traveling together, staying in houses together, we're all rooting for one another. It's actually a great atmosphere and we all enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Making the Turn. I'm your host, Vince Drummond. Today we've got episode five of Making the Turn, playing on PGA Tour Latin America. We're chatting with Ali Tidcombe today. Ali has played on PGA Tour Latin America for the past two seasons. In 2018, he missed European Tour Q School final stage by one shot, and he's signed to Blue Giraffe Sports Agency, which represents golfers such as Lexi Thompson and Jonathan Vegas. As an amateur, Ali was a four-time NAI All-American, a Jack Nicholas Award finalist in 2016, and at the time when he turned professional, was a top 150 ranked amateur in the world. Today we talk with Ali about some of the specifics of playing on PGA Tour Latin America. We talk to him about the schedule and about the extensive travel. We talk to him about experiencing new cultures and figuring out what to eat in foreign places. We also talk with Ali about his physical approach while on the road, as well as his practice and preparation when he's at home. Finally, we touch on the team concept when it comes to Ali improving and the support system that he has at his disposal every day. We're really excited to get right into the episode, so here's episode five of Making the Turn, playing on PGA Tour Latin America. Hats forwards, headphones on, let's go! All right, well, we've got Ali Tidcombe with us today. Ali is a player on PJ Tour Latin America. He's going to give us a little bit of insight into playing on PJ Tour Latin America and some of his experiences the last couple of years as a, a full-time member of the tour. So thanks for joining us today, Ali. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, of course. We're excited to have you on. Excited for you to be able to give a, a little bit of insight and give some advice to some players who are listening and, and hoping to maybe get in your shoes one day. So why don't you start by just kind of introducing yourself to everyone, talking a little bit about your golfing history and, and some of the things that you've done in the game already. Yeah, absolutely. I um, currently base myself in St. Simons Island, Georgia. I uh, graduated uni- uh, college at Coastal Georgia in 2016. So based myself here after I graduated just because of the main reason being golf. Um, there's probably close to 25 guys here who have status. Um, obviously the big names, Matt Kuchar, Patton Gazire, Zach Johnson, Harris English. You know, there's just tons of guys here and the potential to get better is just unmatchable. So that was the main reason I decided to stay in St. Simon's Island. But um, yeah, I grew up in, in Canada and came across the United States to further my golf career and hopefully have a chance to make on the PGA Tour one day. Definitely. Uh, so have had full-time status on PGA Tour Latin America the last couple of years. Obviously want to talk to you quite a bit about that just to try to understand what that experience is like, what you kind of go through during a season uh, on that tour. One of the, the ways that people typically try to get to the web.com now is through Latin America and Canada. So being able to to get kind of an inside look at that is something that we're really interested in. So why don't you just talk a little bit about your experience on the tour so far? Obviously, you've got two seasons under your belt now. Uh, just kind of talk through what it's like to to be out there and to be traveling and playing on the tour. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a definitely uh, a big stepping stone when you first get out there. Um, I was very 
very naive when I first got out there. My my Spanish was terrible and it was, <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but no, I mean, it's great. I mean, traveling from country to country, it's a lot of culture shocks. Um, obviously, in the United States, um, culture is very similar in almost anywhere in the world. But South America, you go to different countries and the culture is different from, from place to place. So that definitely takes um, some getting used to. And we go to a lot of countries, so it takes a lot of time to get used to the, and the travel and the, um, the situations you're put in. Um, but I mean, it's fantastic. A lot of people um, think of South America and they think danger or um, maybe I don't want to be there for weeks on end. But when you have a bunch of guys traveling together, staying in houses together, we're all rooting for one another. It's actually a great atmosphere and we all enjoy it. Awesome. Uh, talk a little bit about just the play on PJ Tour Latin America for maybe some people who aren't as familiar with it or people who don't know as much about it. Um, obviously, there's guys up around 20 under par or even lower winning every week. So talk about week in and week out, just how good the guys are that are that are out there playing on the tour with you. Right. And that actually speaks to the volume of the golf course. If people maybe aren't quite familiar with the fact that South America have tons of great golf courses, actually, and we're very lucky to play them. But yeah, you're right. The scores, like any tour, you just have to play well every day. If you if you have a mediocre day, which unfortunately I've I struggled with the last couple of years, having maybe three good days and one just average day, you just you just seem to get lapped. Um, so every day you just have to you have to, have to be playing very well and obviously to win out there. We we always joke about it actually. If you can win on any tour at week, Mackenzie Tour, China, Asia. Latin America, you're probably good enough that week to compete on the PGA Tour just because everything's going your way. You're making putts, you're hitting fairways, you're doing everything great. So, yeah, it's just the level of golf out there is is very high. And I think that speaks to, I mean, there's tons of guys who play out there, have been on the web for years, even PGA Tour. And obviously the career we're in, it's just extremely difficult and challenging and there's no job security. So... If a bad season or two happens, you unfortunately prevent them to come back to Latin America. And obviously, they've had the experience of the Wild World PGA Tour where um, you compete with the best players in the world week in and week out. Definitely. Um, so talk a little bit about, obviously, one of the big things, and, and you've kind of touched on it a little already, but I want to go pretty in-depth into what makes this tour different, what makes this tour uh, difficult kind of a grind and I think one of those big things is is the travel so talk a little bit about the schedule how it's set up um, how you're kind of jumping from from country to country and just kind of how the how the schedule works for you guys yeah I mean so we, we play 17 18 events in a year and it's split into two seasons um, so we play nine eight or nine events in the, in the spring for us and then nine events in the fall starting in about September until December or late November. Um, that's just because in the summer we break because it's the um, opposite hemisphere. So it's going to be winter there and obviously summer for us. So there's a little break in the summer, which is nice because you're right. The travel is, is pretty crazy. We, um, I mean, some of the flight, you go to Argentina and you, you leave on a Sunday, Sunday night and you sat in a plane for 10 hours and then Uber into the house and you don't get in until 4 a.m your body just feels terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's part of it. It's the same for everyone. So it's not an advantage or disadvantage for any of the guys, um, but it definitely takes a toll when you get out there on a Tuesday morning for a practice round. And 
you don't even know how a golf club feels. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's definitely an experience. Um, something we all, um, at the time, may not appreciate, but as the week goes on, you're, you're definitely thankful that you, you made it or you're out there because uh, during the flight, you're just like, really, this is, this is quite something else. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and talk a little bit about how you kind of handle that, how you get used to it. Uh, maybe even if there was, was something that was different between year one and year two, when it comes to the consistent travel, the going to different countries, experiencing new places and different cultures, like you said, um, how, how do you go about handling that? How is that different in year one than maybe it was in year two for you? I think year two, there's definitely more Netflix watched on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I think year one, no, just kidding. But year one, um, definitely been thrown in the deep end and never traveled like that in my life before. Um, and obviously, new place, new places I've never been to. At least in year two, you could fall back on. Well, I've been here before. I know what house to get um, for that week, who to stay with, how close you want to be, how far you want to be. Doing a rental car. Um, that kind of thing definitely comes easier in second year just because you've had a whole year of what to expect. Um, first year, luckily enough, I met a great group of guys who had been on the tour for a few years or been traveling for a few years who knew what to expect. So it was great in that sense. Um, but as for um, the difference between the year, year one and year two, I, I think the main difference is, is rest. When I first got out there in my first year, I figured that I didn't want to, uh, like on a Wednesday afternoon, I felt, or even a Wednesday, the whole day, I felt like it was necessary to see the golf course because we have a practice around Tuesday. I felt like it was necessary to see the golf course on Wednesday again because I'd only seen it once just to get comfortable and familiar with tee shots and the way the greens break. But in year two, some of the courses were very similar or we played the exact course the year before. So I knew what to expect. So Wednesday I could rest a little bit, play nine holes, just have a little practice, chip in, hitting balls in the morning, a very more relaxed day, which eventually gives you more energy as the week goes on. I think that that is very important, especially when you're playing two, three weeks in a row where you're traveling seven hours every week just to get to a new country. Definitely. Um, and kind of expanding on that a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about what that week looks like in a, in a tournament week with all the travel that's involved. What does your week typically look like? Obviously, first tee time, you're, you're teeing it up on Thursday, but leading up to Thursday, what? What do you do to prepare? How do you get ready? But also, how do you balance the rest? How do you balance the fact that you have been cooped up in a plane for 10 plus hours trying to get there? And what does it look like once you get feet on the ground in whatever country you're in that week? Right. So usually, obviously, Sunday, Sunday night, the week before the tournament, we, we fly out. So we arrive Monday. And then Monday is usually, let's say you get at midday, for example, because you've been traveling all morning. Um, just rest, you get used to the, the house, the Airbnb or the hotel we're staying at for the week. Just get accustomed to what's around, where we're going to be eating dinner, where we're going to find groceries for the week too. Um, so we rest up on a nice Monday. And uh, Tuesday, we like to get out there early. Um, just, just for the fact that programs, if you're not playing in the program on a Wednesday, you're not going to be able to see the golf course in the morning until you tee off Thursday or Friday. So Tuesday, we like to get out there early just because we can see the conditions, how the course is going to be playing, how the greens are, and if there's any moisture in the air and temperatures and that kind of thing. So we get to play 18 holes early Tuesday morning and then obviously have lunch, practice a little bit, do a little maintenance on the game and get familiar 
with the surroundings of the course and the clubhouse. And then Wednesday, like I said, this year, it was more just a relaxed and calmer day. And no need to get up too super early and just sleep in, make sure we're rested. And then have a little maintenance day on the course, whether that's nine holes after the Pro-Am, if you're not playing in the Pro-Am, or just hitting balls and chip in and maybe even walk in the golf. I did several times this year, I just walked the course on a Wednesday. So there was maybe a couple of tee shots that you had to be really specific on what you wanted to do. There would be just nine holes of walking and taking notes in the yardage book. And then uh, Wednesday night, just eat dinner and get ready for Thursday, Friday, and hopefully Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, one of the things you've talked about a lot, and I think it was a, a big change for you between year one and two, is how you handled the, the rest and recovery side of things, trying to make sure that you have enough rest, trying to make sure that, that your body is ready to go. Talk about your approach to the physical side of things as you travel. Um, how much are you trying to work out on the road? Are you trying to get into a gym? Are you just trying to stretch and kind of maintain what you've got, stay loose? What is your approach from a physical standpoint, uh, kind of as you're out on the road traveling and, and doing different things? Right. So I think physically a lot of, we, we definitely take for granted in this country. In South America, you, you can't drink the water out of the taps. So our vegetables in the United States are watered down just with water. But in South America, they water their vegetables and fruit down with their water. But you can't drink the water. So we, we take for granted in the, in the country that we can have bananas every morning. We can eat fruit, vegetables. But in South America, we, we can't do that because it will make you very sick. And we also take the approach it's better to not eat vegetables and fruit for a couple two three weeks than it is to get sick and, and risk getting sick because if you risk getting sick you may have to withdraw because our bodies aren't used to taking that kind of dirty water and um so that's probably the biggest physical problem that we have is is definitely the eating the, the fruit the vegetables because you've been on the road for two three weeks you over travel and playing and playing in extremely high temperatures it takes a toll on your body not not having the right nutrients so um i think that's a very very underappreciated as for working out yeah there's gyms um definitely a lot of stretching going on after rounds just for the fact that our bodies are tired from travel which can dehydrate you so you got to make sure you're always dehydrated um but yeah definitely working out light workouts i'd say more than anything but if you have a bad week it's nice to maybe come for a little try and just to take some frustration out going forward uh for sure talk a, a little bit about the nutrition you touched on the fruits and the vegetables, but going to places where uh, maybe the food is different or obviously you're in different cultures that, that have different normal diets, normal staples. Uh, how does the nutrition look on the road? What are you trying to look for when you get to each place? What are kind of the essential things like I need to have this each week? And then what are the things that change week in and week out? And how do you decide how you approach that and what you're going to try to eat that week? Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of safe food going on. So there's a lot of pasta. Um, I mean, I, I almost stick to pasta ritually on four or five times a week just because <laughs> I, know, I know I'm not going to get sick and I know it's going to give me the carbs you know, from a lot of walking and a lot of exercise. So I definitely load up on pasta for the week. And um, for breakfast, I mean, just the usual eggs, cereal, um, fruit, if it, if it looks safe or if we think it's safe. Um, but I, I mean, apart, apart from obviously the water being dirty, 
the food in South America is, is incredible and the meat places we go to. And luckily for us that you can go to some incredible restaurants and only eat for six, $7 just because of, of the culture there where it's not a lot of money. So um, we, we do tend to eat out a lot just because um, we can almost spoil ourselves for very, very little in comparison. Um, so that, that's a very big plus side. We get to eat some incredible food and um, every country we go to, it seems there's a new, um, a different food or a different, um, a different meat that is very famous in that area. Awesome. Uh, looking real quick, just at the, the tour in general, before we move into more of your approach to practice and preparation personally, uh, talk real quick just about kind of how the tour is set up in terms of how much you guys are spending to play in a year on the tour, but also what the money looks like coming back. And um, obviously we know that the top five players get promoted to the web.com for the next year, but just looking at outside of that, are there guys who are able to make some of those travel expenses back, even if they're not in that top five, or is it basically the main purpose of the tour is to try to get in that top five and, and get automatic to the web the next year? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, top five make their web.com guaranteed starts and top 10 is, is final stage where you can control your own fate and how well you play and how many starts you get following you on the web.com. But definitely, there, there's definitely money to be made. I, I think Harry Higgs, he, when he won the order, order of merit this year, I think he was close to 110,000 and I'd, I'd say 60th place is, to keep your card is, is about um, 17,000. So I mean, I'd say for a given year, it's close to $30,000 to travel and for 18 events of flights, food, caddy. Caddy is actually one of the most expensive, um, expense, most expenses of the week, just for the fact that it's very cheap for a caddy in our aspect, but it's, you have to, it's $50 minimum a day. So if you play Tuesday, Wednesday, and obviously the four days of tournaments, uh, that's six days of having the caddy plus the tip at the end of the week. So the ca caddy fee actually ends up being one of the higher expenses during the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely, if you play well, you can try your own fate, just, just like in anything in golf. If you play well, you'll make money. You can rise up to the web.com and then your PGA Tour card. So um, there's definitely chances to make money, but um, there's definitely chances that you will not make money if you don't play well that week. Awesome. Uh, let's move more into a little bit of how you set up your approach to the game, how you set up your approach to getting better, some of the things that go into your practice and your preparation. Uh, one of the things that we talk about quite a bit on the channel and, and with our listeners is we talk about setting up a team around you that's going to help you take your game to the next level, whether that be swing coaches, fitness coaches, uh, kind of all the people that are in your circle. For you as a pro, that may be the agency that you work with and some other things like that. So just talk a little bit about how your team is set up and maybe a little bit of the backstory into how you started to, to work with all the different people that surround you. Yeah, like you said, it, it's definitely a team sport now. Obviously, on the leaderboard, you see one name. But in the, the day, there's a lot more going into it than just one person. Um, it it takes, takes a lot of effort from not just yourself, but everyone um, included who believes in you. And that, like you said, it's a swing coach, friends, family, um, dietitian for some people, physical coach, mental coach. I mean, the list can go on and on how many people you want to work with. But um, the first things first is that they genuinely believe in you. And, and that's a great atmosphere to be around because 
this goal, this, this game is at the end of the day is individual, and there can be a lot of alone time on the road or um, practice. So it, it's just great to know there's people in your corner at all times, and that's in every situation. To be honest, and um, yeah, it's 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 very lucky that so many people care about your progression, and it, and it's very genuine. It's it's not just because it's their job; it, they got into that job because they truly want to help, and that is very rare, I think, and special to especially me and a lot of people I know. For sure. Um, so is a lot of your support system based kind of back home in Canada? Is it based in St. Simons? Is it based all over the country? Is it kind of everywhere? How is your team kind of set up? Where do you see or talk to most of the people that you kind of would consider to, to be a part of your support system? Yeah, I'd say most of it is here in, in St. Simons Island here, Georgia. I mean, also my family back in Canada um, who are extremely supportive and, and, and do more than I can ever ask. But there's people here who I live with, my American family, I mean, my swing coaches. I, I, I mean, I based myself here because I wanted to be closer to, to them because they are always there and willing to help. I'm obviously back home in Canada, my home golf course, there's tons and tons of people who are very supportive and close friends. Um, but the professionals, that their specific profession, like swing coaches, are here, and they're who I work with. So I'd say most of the time, it's or majority is definitely here. My swing coach, I work with Jet Lumpkin and Jeff Nelson, and pretty much everybody who works at CI, just because I'm so open to errors and help, and I, I just love to learn. And um, who, whoever it is, any of the swing coaches at CI, and any anyone in general, any coaches out there any and anything I just love to learn about the game of golf how to get better and I, I think the reason I want to get better and love to listen is just for the fact that I'm not on the PGA Tour hopefully yet and there's a reason behind that and if if I was naive and didn't want to listen then I don't think I would progress as a player or, or even as a person but I just think listening to other people and what they have to say even if you always don't want to listen to that exact message there's definitely positives in that message you can take pick and choose from politely and move forward and what works for you individually definitely so as you travel on the road as you are uh, playing pga tour latin america as you're playing in different events how much contact do you have with your coaches back home how much are you talking to people uh, in St. Simons, whether it's about technical stuff or about the mental side of things, are you communicating with people on a regular basis or is it just kind of when you're home, you work with them and when you're on the road, you just talk to the people who more support you and, and are invested in you? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good luck texts and play well and it's, it's truly appreciated. But I mean, I, I think it's pretty light when I get on the road and, and the aspects of talking to coaches. We, we talk probably every once a week, I'd say, just saying, this is what I'm feeling kind of thing. Um, but I mean, once you're on the road, you've done so much practice at home and so much preparation that once you get on the road, it's, it's just it's just go time. And not in an intense way, it's, it's just I've worked, and a lot of people have worked so hard to get to compete. That it's, it's almost the fun part is is going to compete, see what you've worked on, if, if it's been your driver, your irons, your, your chipping bunk, whatever it is, you've worked so hard in the aspect, it's fun to go test that in a tournament and see how your preparation has um, created some of the results you get. 
Awesome. So I want to make sure we talk a little bit about what goes into your practice and preparation. Uh, for those times when you're not on the road, when you're not traveling, say you're in St. Simons, you just have a normal week, no events. Uh, maybe you're preparing for an event, but you don't have an event that week. Talk a little bit about what your weekly schedule looks like, how much time you spend at the course, how much time you spend at the gym. What are some of the things that, that you're doing on a weekly basis to try to make sure you improve? Yeah, I mean, like I said, here in St. Simons, there's so many guys with tour status, and there's some great players who don't have tour status just because they had a bad week at Q school or whatever the situation is. So there's there's always there's always games we play here, and that's one of the best things about living in St. Simons is you can you can text 20 guys at any given moment that uh, want to go play and get a big money game going. So it creates the the atmosphere of, of pressure. So you can even almost have a tournament without going to a tournament, which is why I think a lot of people want to move here because your game stays sharp throughout the year because of the competitiveness and the facilities. And um, it's a, just a great spot. So, but for me personally, I feel that I do a lot of work on the golf course. Um, I obviously enjoy hitting balls, but on a given day, I, I get up early in the morning and I go, I go hit balls and I like to go play, come back, have lunch and go back to the golf course and work on what I did not do well that specific day of playing because at the end of the day we we play golf people go to the range and hit balls for hours and hours which I completely get when you're making changes or, or want to twinkle a few things but we play golf the, the aim of the game is to get the ball in the hole and on the range you're not getting the ball in the hole you're just working on things so I think it's very important to do a lot of the work for me personally it works that way on the golf course even short game in the, in the evening you can recreate shots you can play games where you hit 10 tee shots off the tee and have to hit eight times, hit it in the fairway. Um, play a number of games where you, you can't miss left to a specific flag because there's water out of bounds. So I just like making up games on the golf course where I've been doing the driving range. Awesome. Uh, and then go into a little bit of how you feel like you review your performance. So obviously you have two years on Latin America under your belt. Um, whether it's from a week-to-week -week basis or a year-to-year -year basis, how do you kind of sit down and, and break down, okay, this is how I've played, this is where I need to get better, this is kind of the plan I have moving forward. How do you sit down and what do you look at specifically when you're trying to review how you've played or, or what you need to get better at? Yeah, so I, I have a, a website online where I record my stats, which is very deep and specific of what I did good and what I did bad from certain distance putts, the missing certain directions of each club. So I'm very um, particular about putting that in as soon as I finish a tournament round. Um, only tournament round because practice, um, it's easier to play, maybe not easier to play well, but um, I think you see your tendencies better in tournament play rather than practice play. So I just do that, put my stats in for tournament play and review that at the end of each week. So after each tournament, I'm okay, I, I did this well, I did this poorly, so I need to focus on this for the following week. I don't think it's great to get too in depth for it after each round. I obviously put them in, but I don't look too much at it just because sometimes I feel like I did something well and maybe the results didn't show that. So I don't want to be thinking about that too much the following day. I can just get into a, a rhythm. Um, but I think, Obviously, golf is very result-based. We, we, I mean, a lot of us talk about the process, um, and, and it, it's sometimes as difficult as it is, you, you do have to stick to it. You can be playing great golf, not scoring. You're doing everything correctly. 
eating well, going to the gym, practicing hard, making sacrifices. And sometimes it just doesn't show in golf. Um, it's just a, a very strange game in that aspect. But I think at the end of the day, if you continue to do things correctly, continue to do things the way you truly believe in your team and your team believes in, then I think it's going to get better eventually. Brick by brick, um, it, it gets better. Awesome. So obviously you're in the off season now. You're working on some things, trying to get geared up for 2019. What are some of your focuses? What have they been this off season? What are the things that you're really grinding to try to improve in your game? Yeah, naturally the driver doesn't come um, easy as me as my other clubs. I'm typically a very good iron player. Um, so it's been mainly about the driver this off season. And I think I feel like I've made some extremely good changes and the last couple of weeks, it's starting to come more naturally, and I've started to definitely drive it straighter and further than I ever have, which is which is a great combo to have. So um, I feel like if I can drive the ball well, statistically, when I drive the ball well, I have very good weeks, and when I don't drive the ball well, I have statistically bad weeks. So it's almost my game is based around uh, how I drive the ball. So yeah, I've worked very hard on it this winter, and. I'm really excited to see some changes or see the changes come into effect here in the next few months and as the year goes on. Awesome. Uh, tell me a little bit about your plans for 2019, what you're looking to do moving forward into this year. What are some of the, the events that you have coming up or things that you have on the schedule already? Yeah, so I'm heading back to PGA Tour Latin America once that starts going back up and going to go to Q School for PGA Tour China. Um, I've enjoyed Latin America. I, I love playing there. I love the travel aspects, all of it, but um, hasn't quite gone how I wanted to the last couple of years. So I think I'm going to try and change it up here and see what PJ Tour China has to offer. Um, so I'm excited about playing Ivor Tours or both tours. And then as the year goes on, um, just get ready for Q School and hopefully have what my goal for the year is to have web status by. Uh, the fall and if I have to go to final stage to improve that status I'm okay with that but that's that's the main goal for this year is, is to make the web.com for tw 2020. Awesome um, so we get to a part in the show now where we like to have a little bit of fun we like to ask you some questions that give people an insight into you uh, some of the things that you've done we call it the twilight nine so we like to think of it as playing nine holes really quick on a summer's evening so I'm going to ask you nine questions we want it to be uh, kind of rapid fire style. So first thing that pops into your head, we're just going to get an answer and move forward. Okay. Right, let's do it. Awesome. Uh, lowest tournament score. 64. Go to pre round meal. Pasta. Favorite on course snack. Oh, Nutrigame bars. Uh, what's your pre gym pump up song at the moment? Oof. Too many. <laughs> uh what's the hardest or your least favorite exercise in the gym oh man that's a good question um any lower body exercise <laughs> <laughs> uh you're getting to the course for a tournament and you realize that you only have 10 minutes before your tea time what do you do stay calm relax and just go have fun uh what's your golf brand of choice Pink. Uh, best movie of all time? American Gangster. And your favorite sports team? Manchester United. Awesome. Well, that is the Twilight Nine. A uh, quick little insight that we like to do on the show to, to give people a better view of you. 
uh, obviously outside of the golf stuff. Before we let you go, a couple more questions, just advice to some people that may be listening. Uh, what would be your biggest piece of advice to junior golfers who are looking to play in college? I'd say just continue to have fun. Um, it's hard. You think it's hard. Sometimes you have a bad day, like this isn't fun. But at the end of the day, this, this is a game. And it's a, probably the best game in the world. So just continue to enjoy it and have fun with your friends. Uh, keep working hard. And then for people who are in college currently and who are wanting to pursue golf as a career, who are hoping to maybe get to where you're at one day or following the, the similar path that you do, what would your biggest advice be to them? Just remind yourself that, that Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, there's brick by brick. You know, you got to keep progressing each day. I mean, sometimes you might not be on the travel team. You might not be playing well in a big tournament in college. But at the end of the day, you got to look at the big picture and, if you're doing all the right things, break by break, it will come together. Awesome. And then where can people follow you in your 2019 season? Um, I mean, the PGA Tour website have, have their links to Latin America and, and potentially PGA Tour China if I go there. Um, and then just social media, typically my last name, T-I-D-C-O-N-B-E, and I'll update things on there for everyone. Awesome. Uh, I'll be sure to leave that down in the description below, but appreciate you joining us today, man. I uh, really enjoyed the insight into PGA Tour Latin America and getting to know you and, and a little bit more of your game. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Vince. Of course. That wraps up episode five of Making the Turn. I want to give a huge thank you to Ali Tidcombe for joining us on the podcast today. He did a really great job of breaking down what life is like on PGA Tour Latin America, what it's like to be a player on the tour, and what it's like to be a young professional chasing his dreams. Really hope that you guys will give Ali a follow on social media to continue to support him and his journey. want to wish him all the best as he looks forward to his 2019 season. I want to thank you guys for stopping by. Please show this video some love. Hit that like button. Share it with some friends. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We've got more exciting content coming to you guys. And episode 6 of Making the Turn will be out next Wednesday. Thanks for stopping by. This is Vince Drummond Golf. And I'm out.